Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. Felicia Jones is a two-time TEDx speaker, national television financial contributor for Daily Blast Live, woman in STEM advocate and founder of I Find You Close which is designed to help speakers research and book more speaking engagements around the world. After being featured on hundreds of stages in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom, Felicia realized the power of using the stage as a way of marketing to grow a business and brand. As the founder of I Find You Close, she is bringing over 18 years of research, analytics, entrepreneurship experience to those who want to use public speaking to share the message of their company, business, or brand. She holds a bachelor's degree in computer science, a master's degree in system engineering, and is a former scientist for the U.S. Navy. She has had the honor of presenting on such platforms as NPR's TED Radio Hour, NBC9 News, FinCon, iThemes, and a host of organizations that trust her ability to educate, inspire, and to transform. I Find You Clothes launched in 2019 with the goal of employing more women in tech and using that knowledge to take the guesswork out of doing the research and sorting through over 5,000 plus events that happen daily that are looking for keynote speakers, breakout sessions, and expert panels. When she isn't deep into researching the internet, she blogs about her eclectic list of ever-growing life experiences, including travel, baton twirling, performing with a circus, RVing across the USA, being a professional cheerleader, and achieving 100 hours towards being a yacht's captain. Let's welcome Felicia Jones to the show. Thank you. So our guest today is Felicia Jones, and um, our the way we start all of our podcasts, uh, the question that we start all of our podcasts with is, tell me your STEM story. Hey, Natasha. Thank you so very much for having me here. So when it comes to my STEM story, I think I'm probably like most people and say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. 
I just went to class and I came out with a degree. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of like to start it in this odd way in that when I was growing up, everybody wanted to be Claire Huxtable. You either wanted to be a lawyer or you wanted to be a doctor. And I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because I loved watching her on television. And, but everybody was like, you should go to medical school. I mean, if, and if you're like me, you grew up, you kind of listen to your parents and what's going on in the neighborhood and growing up in the South, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, people mm -hmm. wanted you to be a doctor or a lawyer. And then your default was being an educator, which is nothing <laughs> wrong with that, but correct. Education was never going to be my thing. So I remember volunteering as a, as a little nurse, uh, as a little helper at the hospital because all of my friends wanted to go to medical school. And I realized right then and there that I hated working at the hospital. And it was so sad because other people had like the cool little internship. I was in the mail room and I hated every last bit of it. And I said, medical school is not gonna happen for me. So that was instantly off. And I think I met somebody else who was going through law school. I was like, how long do you have to be in school? But yeah, we're not doing that either. So it kind of came down to just, all right, we got to figure this out. And I remember reading a magazine and I saw a Sega Genesis ad. So that is definitely dating me a little bit because I don't even think Sega Genesis still exists. Uh, but it's funny now I am married to a video game programmer, which is hilarious. Nice. But <laughs> I saw a Sega Genesis ad and I was like, ooh, video games. This is what I'm going to do. So I remember I took that ad out. I put it on the wall. And for some reason, I really wanted to go to Georgia Tech. And that, that was the mission, to go to Georgia Tech, to be a, a video game programmer. And I was going to go to Seattle. I don't know why, because I think Ken Griffey Jr. was still playing with the Mariners. So I'm really showing my age now. <laughs> But, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm with, I'm follow. I follow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that was the plan. And, um, but my other side of me, I love um, baton twirling and dancing. So I remember we did these college tours when I was in high school and I have always said I was going to be a, a baton twirler in college. I used to go to the Magic City Classic Parades that were in Birmingham with Alabama A&M versus Alabama State Universities. <laughs> but eventually went on campus at Morris Brown and saw an audition poster for the dance team called Bubbling Brown Sugar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is my school. I'll still do this computer science or uh, computer engineering thing, but I'm definitely going to this school. So I, I just knew where I wanted to go and um, Georgia Tech fell off the map. <laughs> Baton twirling one over, over STEM. Uh, <laughs> I know that's the other side of the brain kicking in. So, um, so I did that and just over the years, uh, being in school, just learning so much about computer science, really enjoying it. I can't say that I liked all the math classes, but I got through all of them. And then it came down to like, what is it that I really wanted to do? And of course, I'm, I, I kind of call myself just a regular um, college student. I remember the day of graduation, I was sitting there and you know how everybody says, well, what are you going to do next? I was like, well, I'm going to go eat a sandwich because I haven't figured it out that far. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I know all these other people, they have these plans. I'm going to go do this. And like they had the whole journey. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure yet. But the one cool thing I will say about pursuing computer science um, in school was that it did open up so many doors for me that I probably didn't really see then. I definitely mm -hmm. see them now, but I was able to 
um, go work for the U.S. Navy as a computer scientist. So I left Atlanta, went to San Diego, um, and I was there for, gosh, 12 years. So I was a computer scientist, and I literally got to travel the world, uh, going back and forth to Europe, doing these cool programs with NATO forces, got my master's degree in systems engineering. And you know what? It's just been... It's just been a really cool uh, journey when it comes to STEM. And then on the other side of my creative brain, I still got to dance. So I was a professional cheerleader while I was working for the Navy. And I remember my dad told me, he said, you realize that you're not the norm at work. And I was like, well, why would you say that, dad? He was like, not everybody is a professional cheerleader. I'm like, really? I was like, I thought all computer people did this. So he was like, no, you're, you're weird. I was like, oh, okay. So yes, so I kind of led some dual lives while I was stimming and I was <laughs> dancing at the same time. <laughs> no stilettos for you then, huh? Well, you know, when you dance, you dance in some heels. <laughs> uh, so I did sports teams. Uh, I was actually, because I did so much baton twirling, I had my own majorette squad at a mm -hmm. high school in, um, in Atlanta. But I was able to turn that into just some fun stuff that I did um, while I was uh, working for the Navy. So it, it's been a very fun journey. And yes, I did spend a summer in the circus. So, uh, and this was all after I graduated. So it, it's been fun. I, I cannot say anything has been bad. It's just been a fun journey and I get to travel the world, which I absolutely love. Now, I, so I think all of that is, I mean, it, that is, I have to say, an absolutely, um, creative and just fun story um, and probably one of the more uh, fun stories that I've heard from a person in STEM. I told you, it wasn't the um, normal STEM story. But, you know, but, but that's the thing. So, and I'm glad that you're here to tell it um, because of course, none of us are, are, um, are the same. We're not cookie cutter. No. Um, we all have, we come to STEM from, you know, unique backgrounds and through, you know, whatever the hardships or not hardships um, mm -hmm. that we had. Um, and we all bring our own perspectives to it. So, uh, which I think is the beauty of, um, of STEM in general. So, and the other part is, is that you were able to show that a person who, um, you know, our stereotypical nerdy person yeah. is also creative and also loves the arts, also embraces all of themselves. And it's not, it's not a mechanism for you to shut down. It's yeah. you, you are a whole person. Uh, which I have enjoyed <laughs> thus, thus far. But you know, that's one of the biggest things that I, I definitely see now with adult eyes of how, especially with women, they put us in these categories, either you're smart or you're pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what if I'm smart? What if I do like computer science? What if I do like all the areas in STEM? But I still like this other part too, because that's kind of fun. And I've been really hoping that we start to merge those worlds and say, you know what, girls can kind of do whatever they want. Um, they can still be pretty. They can still um, be smart at the same time. And um, there was one of the case of the Victoria's Secrets angel. Um, people kind of criticized her for, they were like, she was just too pretty. She couldn't be that smart. And she was like, right. well, let me go ahead and educate you really fast. I was like, thank you. <laughs> right. And, and what is so, that's so interesting that um, it's, it's interesting in both set and set at the same time, yeah. that that's still a thing. 
um, that you have to choose. So if you're pretty, you can't be smart. If you're smart, you can't be pretty. And then, you know, you, it's almost daring someone to be both. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then what do you do? Right. Cause yeah. then those, then we can brand those people as special. They're special yes, in a separate, <laughs> ca- yes, a separate category of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, yet again, another sticker they can put on a, put on a person yeah. um, that way. But you, I think you have um, found a way to defy all of those odds. <laughs> <laughs> or at least have some fun with it. Why not? <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I agree. I, I twirled a flag for oof, a long time. <laughs> um, you know, I did, my sister um, did dance. Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. did the flags. Um, Cause I wasn't as good a dancer as her. I also sing. So it's just like, hey, see, we're, we're our, full real people. See our STEM people. We just have, we have secret dancers and singers just hiding. <laughs> we just, we just put it on a back burner so we can go get that, that career and education, but we're all there. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, so I do have a, a couple more questions for you. Uh, who, who has been your biggest uh, or yeah, your biggest supporter and why? You know, that was a hard one for me to answer because it's like, it's, I have family that have always supported me, but I've always thought the support was very different, especially being a black woman growing up in the South and you grow up with the stigma, you have to go to college, Mm -hmm. but nobody knew exactly what you should do in college. It's just, I'm just happy my baby's in school. So you get that support. But the other thing that I've learned, and I've learned this just from talking to someone else, it really, in some ways, could be a journey on your own. Mm-hmm. When you decide, especially as a Black woman coming from some environments, and you decide to take on a career in STEM, especially if no one in your family has done it, you don't have a mother or father, and no aunts and uncles, so you are kind of stepping out on a journey by yourself to figure out all of the things. And I will definitely say my family has been a a big support, but I can't say that I had that one hardcore cheerleader that was, that was standing behind me. I will say my husband has been the biggest one, especially when I decided to go back to graduate school because he had to help me with all the math, but, (laughs) uh, but it was, it was an interesting one. So yeah. So when I saw that question, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a hard one for me to answer because um, it really was it was a journey of discovery following this career path because it really took me out of my comfort zone. So grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, went to school in Atlanta, Georgia. Then I got the job out in San Diego, California. So my environment changed, the people I was around changed, the work situations changed. So it was just so different that it really did take a while for me to kind of figure out where I fit. And I have a feeling I never really did fit in completely, but it was an interesting journey. Well, so I think that's interesting. And I also think that there is probably more of us that had that same journey, mm-hmm. um, that walked that same path out than we probably have thought about. Because um, I think about, like, I mean, my dad was my biggest supporter. So mm-hmm. he was always the one who, you know, I was always in the garage. So my dad was a mechanic. Uh, and I'm a mechanical engineer yeah. <laughs> by trade. So I'm always in the in the garage figuring out if I weren't asking, you know, 5,000 questions. It was, you know, literally like, what does this do? And then he would give me opportunities to see. Um, but he wasn't in school. 
Um, my dad had, um, he had an associate's degree in diesel mechanics. So we're talking, you know, five levels of calculus and three levels of physics. And then there was your engineering classes. So yeah, um, then there were the engineering classes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, 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 you know, you have to, that's a journey that I had to, to take by myself. Mm -hmm. so I totally understand that. Um, I totally understand that answer. And I don't, I do not think that I thought about it in quite that way until you said that. Yeah, that was always been the hardest one to answer for me when it comes to who's your biggest supporter, who do you look up to? And it's like, it's not that I don't look up to other people, but it's it's just so hard when we talk about my career in STEM and that it really was kind of a solo journey being, you know, having to leave home, going to school and just being in such complete environments where you had to figure things out. And uh, definitely with my dad, it came later on when trying to make some different moves in the career because uh, he does HR. And mm. that was like, all right, dad, like now we need to talk about career moves because that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what has been the, the greatest lesson you've learned so far as uh, a minority woman in STEM? Wow, this, I will say the greatest lesson that I've learned and unfortunately I think I learned it recently or I really paid attention to it. I was at an event and someone threw out the stats of women in STEM, women in technology. And I, I was supposed to be a speaker. I was speaking at the event, but uh, I literally was in tears because she was just saying, you know, women make up 11% and black women make up 1% or less. And I'm like, okay, so why is she telling me my entire life right now? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, this is not how it's, I'm not supposed to be crying before I go on stage. Mm -hmm. And I really had to pay attention to the fact that I, I have always known that I was probably a unicorn, but I think that was the first time it was like slapped in my face, like, huh. It explains a lot of some of the struggles and challenges I've had in my career. And I, I think that was just the biggest lesson, just the just being really awakening to that fact that, okay, there were some things that were probably in front of me and I can learn from this. But on the other side, I have to look at the career because I used to hate, I would, I would never talk about my STEM career because I actually did retire at the age of 36. <laughs> from working for the, uh, for the Navy and I hated it. I never talked about my career. And when I had to kind of listen to the stats and what was going on with women in technology, it made me realize, okay, I probably need to open up my mouth and start saying something because no matter what this career and how much, how much struggle I had, how many challenges I ran into, it opened up a door of so many opportunities, right. like so many opportunities. It, and it opened up some doors of privilege that I probably would not have if I didn't take this job or I didn't major in a STEM field. Um, I've been able to travel the world and, and just realizing that this one decision to pursue a STEM career can literally change the life and the economics of, of a woman of color, especially a black woman when you take on this. So I think that was my biggest <laughs> learning lesson of realizing that there was some value in my career and it took me a while to actually get to that point of realizing it. Yeah. It, 
You know, I, I have to sit in, in that. Um, I actually had, I had another guest. She, um, she is a, um, an associate professor at FAMU in, um, in, uh, in environmental science. And the ironic thing about her is, well, they're, they're, she's great, um, Dr. Marsha Owens, is that she's the only black woman in her department at an HBCU in in this STEM area um but Which is we, ironic right so <laughs> we so we had this whole discussion about the idea of being a black unicorn and I was telling her you know that I'm I, I'm I'm resistant to the idea of it and 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 I you know I what I said to her was is that because I think I'm more resistant to the idea of it because it's it just shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, 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 this, in the sense that there, you know, there is, I always say there's really, I think I'm pretty special because I'm me, mm-hmm. but in the sense that like, I'm not the most, I'm not the smartest. I'm not, you know, I'm not a genius. I'm not, you know, so there are, there's nothing about me or any other black girl that says that she couldn't do the same, right? Yeah. She couldn't have had a career in mechanical engineering or been a a computer scientist or been a whatever else in STEM. Um, and, and for whatever reason, though, it, it's not happening. And it's, it, well, it's not, it's happening at a rate that's much slower than anybody else. Very much like so. Those, those stats that the person gave to you are just, they're so dismal and so bleak that you're yes. like, how is this possible? And no one's ringing alarms about this. I don't, I don't need to be called a black unicorn, you mm-hmm. know? It's like I get I get that there's something special about the idea of that because unicorns and you know okay get mm-hmm. it you know and I was you know and but I don't want to rest in that knowledge of being a black unicorn I want there to be you know hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of us you know like yeah. meeting at a conference saying hey girl hey black unicorn <laughs> you, you know maybe she's purple I mean you know whatever yeah. but and I guess that's that's why um doing this podcast means so much to me and then and having people like yourself on to talk about their experiences and their struggles and the things they've learned is so important um because i just firmly believe that we we have to be we have to be the keeper of our our legacy and our stories and we have to be the one to distribute it and to honor honor ourselves and those who came before us and to help those who are coming behind us who, and the ones who want to come and maybe they don't have a mother or father who, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, well, where are they going to get the help from? You know, so if we don't tell our stories and if we don't um, honor, honor what, you know, our careers, then we can't, we can't wait for other people to decide it's important. Well, you you know, and that's why a podcast like this, they are, I'm glad that we have mediums like this because for me and with my experience, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person with this. It's just like, if you didn't like your job, if you had so many challenges and you left, it's almost like you erased that entire part of your life. So it's just like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I did some computer stuff. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it is unfortunate because that's how I was because the experience was, it wasn't the most pleasant experience um, in my career. And it was right. just like, I'm just going to run from it. I'm not going to mention it. I even had a friend who is a, she was a major in the Air Force and she runs a company. 
and uh, she was on Shark Tank. And I remember I was going to go on stage because I do a lot of speaking. And, and she said, Felicia, I went and read your bio and you don't talk about your career working for the government. I was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. You know, because my thing is like, yeah, it's just a government job. And she's like, no, I know the government. You didn't just work for the government. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Because my thing was like, it, you know, people told me, especially going into the world of entrepreneurship, your background didn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you have degrees. It doesn't matter. It's like, okay, so it doesn't matter. It wasn't a big deal. Everybody's a computer scientist, you know. <laughs> Uh, and then eventually you get to a point of like, it kind of is a big deal. It kind of is pretty special. And you also realize you work your butt off for these degrees and Man. for these careers. <laughs> and after a while, I was like, you're so right. I like, I work my butt off for these things. So, yeah. so you have to kind of own it, you know, at some point um, and get back to this point of owning it. And I do like, the idea of being able to share it. And I think, um, and I don't even know if we're going to talk about this, but doing the TEDx talk. And I honestly think that was probably the first time I realized I needed to start at least owning the fact that I was a woman in STEM and that I have a platform that I actually could use to um, help other women in STEM as well. Man, let me, for my audience. (laughs) You guys have got to te- check out her TED Talks. They are amazing. Um, and you are so, what, what the word I want to use, I'm, I'm going to say personable, but that's not quite the word. I, I want to say relatable, but that's not quite the word either. It was just like, I felt like when I watched, um, when I watched them, it's like, I felt like I knew you, like I knew, oh. <laughs> I knew the stories that you were, you were, you were saying, I could, I could so relate. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I really wanted to, I'm, I'm here at my house and I really mm-hmm. wanted to stand up and give you like a standing ovation, but like, you <laughs> to see me do it. <laughs> you should record it and send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might have to, um, because it, it's, it's just, you don't see us and and to see you there um talking about um you know how important math is and and why we mm-hmm. shouldn't discourage girls in math and and you did the thing oh my gosh you did when you were talking about when you see another woman uh who says that you know they usually launch into this this whole thing about how they're not good in math and yeah. how you know like you know I, when you said, you know, you usually just say, Hey, listen, you know, you really are good in math. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want to do the same thing all yeah. the time. Like that conversation happens so often that like you tell someone your background, I'm in computer science or I'm a mechanical engineer. First oh thing, God, I'm, you, I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. <laughs> oh, you had all the math and all the science. And you're like, well, I usually say, listen, if you can tell time and you can add and subtract, you can do math. I was like, my mama can, um, she can throw down some coupons when it's shopping at the mall. So it's like, I know you can do some math. (laughs) I still have to pull out my calculator for some of that stuff. (laughs) I mean, but but that's the truth though. Cause I'm like at the, you know, usually it's like, so this is when I go into my little, my nerdy moment. Cause I'm usually like, well, at, even at the highest level of math and science, it's literally about addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. And so, you know, it's like, you're going to be doing those things in some order Mm -hmm. at some point. So you can do math. 
Um, and then people, are, you can see people's eyes glaze over because they're like, oh, Lord, she's the truth. I know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> like a really like, nerd person. Like, can we talk about parties now? Like, I mean, are you done yet? <laughs> like, what outfit are you wearing? I don't, I mean, whatever. Yeah. So, but when you said that in your TED talk, I was just like, oh, she's my people. She's <laughs> my person. <laughs> well, you, you know what? One of the things that I realize is going into a TEDx. Now I do a lot of speaking and I talk about money and I talk about marketing your business mm-hmm. on stage. Doing a TEDx talk was so different than any other talk I'd ever done before. And my little math brain, I just, so this is the weirdness. I like to research and go and find places to speak. That's the fun part for me. Every now and then when people say, we want you to speak, I'm like, oh, I actually got to go talk to humans now. (laughs) And people are like, well, you don't just want to get on stage. I was like, no, the fun part is in the research. And they're like, you're way too weird for me. I was like, it is though, you know, and we could do all our math behind it. But doing that talk made me realize that if I ever had a platform like this, I wanted to be so responsible for it. And it really started, the closer it got to me, it really started kicking in like, okay, like I'm a, I'm a black woman. I'm about to get on this huge stage that people watch this thing around the world. And I'm about to talk about tech, technology and math, which I already knew people had feelings about. And I just wanted to represent, I honestly went into it and said, I just want to represent all the black girls as best as I can when it comes to STEM and technology. And when you take the weight of that on your shoulders, it does get a little stressful because I was, you probably didn't want to see me like a few days before that thing. Uh, <laughs> you did this proud. You did this proud. Yeah. Cause I, I really wanted to represent. I was like, okay, I got to represent. And, and it really did start earlier that year when I emceed a conference and, and it was a, it was a women in tech conference. And just watching how there were so many of these women, um, women, uh, there were CEOs, the C-suite people from like Amazon, these huge companies. And I was so disappointed. One, there wasn't a woman of color on the stage. Oh, well, sorry, there wasn't a black woman on the stage. And then all of these women at these high positions talked over everyone else in the room. And I was like, what is happening here? Because they were talking at such a high level where some of the women in the room, they were like, look, I just want to know how I can get into a job and not have people um, doubt my skills and Mm. not count me out. And some of the other women were like, hey, I went and had a family. I raised kids. I want to get back into technology. And they had no answers for them. And I remember I sat there and I was like, dang it, you people are going to make me open up a company so I can hire women in tech. And (laughs) I was like, ah, I was just trying to lay low so I can go on vacation all the time. But what really hit me was there was a young woman, young black woman. She came up to me and, you know, all of the advice, these women gave really good advice about careers and things like that. And she came up to me and she said, is this advice real? And I remember, I, want, I oh gosh, I almost wanted to cry right then and there because I knew exactly what she was asking. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what she was asking me. And I said, you know, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're asking me. And um, I, I pulled in another woman. She was another woman of color. And we had a d- discussion about it. And she said, it's not so much that the advice is not real. It's just it has an asterisk on it mm-hmm. because 
it, it's not that you can't use it. It's not that it's not powerful. It's just that when you are a black woman in this world, you may have to use some extra brain cells. This is my, these are my words. I said, you're going to have to use some extra brain power to maneuver through the advice to make it work for you. And, um, and that's, and that kind of left a, left a big impression on me is that it's unfortunate that a young woman who looks like me has to come up and ask, Hey, is this advice real? Because I've tried it and nobody's listened to me so far. So that broke my heart. So I realized that at that point, I just needed to at least represent as much as I can when it comes to, um, especially black women in tech and in STEM. You know, there's so, there's <laughs> so much to that. Um, which It'll be a two-part interview. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we could, that could be a whole nother subject. Um, especially in terms of leadership, which is uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about and, and I really, um, that I speak about is minority women in leadership within mm-hmm. STEM because that, that has to happen. Um, that's one of the things that I believe has to happen in order for us to make a dent in, in making these percentages rise. Mm-hmm. And, and with quality too. So that's, it's not, um, you know, hiring just to hire, but yeah. say we got the, you know, no. The people with the people with um, the experience, with the drive, with the know-how, mm-hmm. who who can lead, then they should. They should be given those opportunities, and they will have earned Absolutely. them. So, um, and then having been in leadership myself, and know the difficulty of trying to navigate that space without losing yourself. Um, and and you know, you know what I mean, like Ooh, yourself. That's a whole different podcast show. You know. <laughs> So it's really, it's really, really hard to do because there are so many people who are going to tell you who they think you should be. And if you want to be, if you want to be successful, you got to do, you know, XYZ. Or or you're going through the motions (laughs) and like, I did what you said do, but this doesn't seem to be working for me. So I... I, I will say my career was, oh, there was a lot of trying to figure out who I was and whew, probably got lost along the way, uh, severely lost along the way. Yeah, the, I, I'd agree with that for myself as well, which is part of the reason why when, when I realized, like, what is it you really want to do? And it was, I, I'm an educator at heart. Like, I knew that. I knew that I was somebody who... I'm a, I can train you. I can help you. I can come alongside you. I want to guide you. Um, I want to teach you new concepts. So I was like, okay, that's where I'm best. So mm-hmm. how do I do that um, in a way that honors who I am? Yeah. And so uh, that's that's my exit from <laughs> <laughs> from there. Um, I do have one last question mm-hmm. for you, um, and this the it's the it's the question that we always end on. And so if you had the, an opportunity to revisit your younger self, if you could talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? Oh my gosh. That's such a loaded question because right now I'm an entrepreneur and part of me would say, you know what, girl, keep that job <laughs> and stop eating all those cookies. Uh, <laughs> Like, just stop eating all the cookies. Um, If I had to go back and talk to my younger self, I I think it would have to just be around the fact that you can do this. Like, you really can do this. And it may sound a little cliche, but I think having someone just telling me, even telling myself, hey, you can do this. You can stick with this because the road is going to clear up along the way. And 
I would tell myself to just keep open to all of the opportunities that are out there and not to doubt myself as much. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things um, that I had to face was just doubting myself. Um, going into some rooms where you kind of knew you were smarter than folks. It took a while, but you have other, all these other people that help you doubt yourself. And I would just tell myself, don't doubt yourself. Stick with it. The road is going to just clear up eventually. I, I think that's all I could say to myself um, outside of just stop eating all the cookies at some point. Uh. <laughs> well, I listen, I am really um, glad that you took the time. Uh, that we could work it out, that you could mm-hmm. come on. Um, I, I love this interview. I just, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I this love is this fun. Interview. Um, so where can um, the audience, my audience find you next? You can find me at keep up with Mrs. So everything I do is there. Um, I run another company where I go out and research speaking engagements, but on my personal brand, I talk about travel, I talk a lot about money, and I talk about business, and you can definitely check out those TEDx talks there there as well, and you can get some budgeting tips along the way, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not mad at that. I, I'm, I might be uh, hitting you up on another just level. Just hitting soon. all, like just, you can watch the whole playlist. <laughs> thank you so much um, for your time today. Well, thank you for having me, Natasha. All right, well, you guys, um, I will see you when, when I see you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minim- minimum lit- listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming in Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming in Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming in Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stemming in Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stemming in Stilettos.